0: Hey folks, welcome to uh, the prequel to this week's DC3 cast. I am Brian, with me as always are my pals, my, uh, my compatriots on a on a new journey, Vince and Zach. Hello boys. Hi. Hey. We've crossed the Rubicon. We have crossed the Rubicon. So just to pull back the curtain a little bit, we are recording this on uh, March 23rd, and we just found out that next week's DC Comics may or may not be coming out and that due to the coronavirus epidemic their pandemic rather there may not be comics in the way that we are used to having them for a little while now. We don't know how much of our readership reads digitally, reads in print. We're just not sure. And we don't want to stop doing the show, but we also don't want to do the show if we are reading digitally and our listeners are reading in print and so they're missing out on stuff and so we've we've been sitting here for the last hour or so just talking about this and we think we've come up with a pretty fun plan that we're going to do Um, and I just want to say off the bat, um, part of this decision is that right now we feel like DC is in a little bit of a lull, that there are some interesting things brewing but there's not a ton every week to talk about. And so we think that this will both make our show better, will be enjoyable for us, and will protect us against any potential delays that happen at DC for the foreseeable future. So, uh, you guys have already heard our Crisis on Infinite Earths episode. Uh, We are going to be doing a series, potentially a quite long series, of all of the events that we feel are worth discussing from... Crisis on Infinite Earths through the present day. Um, Vince, you want to run down like the first four or five that we're gonna be talking about?
1: Oh my gosh! Uh, legends. Uh-huh. We're, we're we're gonna start with Legends coming out of Crisis. Uh, we're gonna do Millennium. Uh, we already did Cosmic Odyssey, so Brian's gonna re up that episode for you guys. But um, but it, it wasn't that long ago, so. Um, you can go listen to that. Um, we're gonna do invasion. Uh we're, are we skipping Armageddon two thousand one? I can't remember. We're doing it, we're doing it. We're, we're doing that. We're doing that, we're doing more of the in gods. some
2: capacity. <laughs> in some
1: capacity, yes. We're doing War of the gods. Those are just let's stop few. there for now. Let's stop there yeah. for now.
0: Yep. So so um, Zach, why don't you tell them what our plan is to keep current with DC books if they are coming out? So if they are coming
2: out, our plan is to do a bonus episode, um, that would come out at the end of the month, kind of highlighting the, the kind of big moments, uh, in DC for that month, highlighting, you know, new issues or our new number ones, um, you know, any big events, things like death metal, three jokers, um, or, you know, if there's anything that just stands out as particularly good or special to us, so um, kind of a condensed version of what you get from us every week in one big bonus episode.
0: And, and we should state that we're doing this in part because of the, the delays, in part because of the lackluster books right now, and in part because it feels like DC is in a holding pattern waiting to get to 5G, which may or may not be happening now, so... The pledge we're making to you guys is that if at any point DC gets really interesting again and we feel like once a month is not enough, we will bag this. We will will put a pin in this and we will go back to doing our regular format until things soften again and then we'll finish up this list. Until Um,
1: the curve flattens again.
0: Yes, exactly. To keep it uh, current here. Um, So we have... Something like thirty-four different <laughs> things we're planning, but some of those, uh, which I did not take into account with our account before, Vincey and Zach, uh, some of those are like four and five-week endeavors through one event. So, if this goes the way we think it's going to go, it could potentially bleed into twenty twenty-one. But again, if five Gs a thing and it's super interesting, we're not gonna we're not gonna ignore interesting product. We just think that there's probably right now. Between four and eight books a month that deserve our conversation, and we're gonna still do those books and, and Marvel's publishing all of them. <laughs>
3: God damn it!
0: <laughs> Direct your hate tweets to at Worker Fox. I um,
1: <laughs> got horny on
3: Maine.
0: <laughs> yes, he did. So, um, so yes, so, so so this is this is what we're gonna be doing starting um next week so you're hearing this episode on um march 25th on april 1st not an april fool's joke we will be doing legends and we will be going from there so um we do want to hear from you about this you know we were saying before we started recording that we don't know what our listeners want from us because we don't hear from a lot of you and We want to change that, and part of the way we're changing that is we now have a Twitter account that's dedicated to just the DC3 cast, and that is at DC3 cast. So, if this sounds like a good idea to you, tweet us at DC3 cast and tell us. If this sounds like a terrible idea to you, tweet us at DC3 cast and let us know. Um, I think we're going to try this regardless for April, because April is so up in the air with everything right now, but we're not married to this if it's not working. And the only way we know if it's not working is if you tell us it's not working. Um, so, so please get in touch with us if you want to. Um, anything else to add about this, boys?
1: No Mm-mm. direct complaints to to add goodbye to a shoe. Actually, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes.
0: Our, our our legal counsel Walter Richardson is going to be taking all the uh, all the negative comments on this one. Um, so anyway, thank you all for listening. Now you will get to, uh, for now, the last episode of this format of DC3Cast. And we recorded it a couple days ago, and I honestly can't remember what we talked about. So that (laughs) that proves my point that this is going to be a fun change of pace. And so we do want to say most of these things are available on DC Universe. Uh, Some you might have to hunt down, but you're resourceful people living in the 21st century. You can figure out how to do that. And uh, we hope you read along with us and chat along with us and tweet along with us at ac 3 cast and um, thank you and enjoy the show Hey folks, welcome back to the DC Three Cast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are Vincent and Zach. We're going to talk about the books released on March eighteenth, twenty twenty, starting with Justice League. Uh, so Vincent and Zach are going to get mad at me about this because they didn't want to read this book, but <laughs> I felt it was the end of Rob Van first arc, and this is supposedly one of the just one of the DC like flagship books. We haven't checked in with it in a while. So I felt it was worth checking in on. Uh, written by Robert Venditti, illustrated by Doug Monke. Um, I just want to say one quick thing, and then I'm going to turn it over to you guys. Um, this is one of those books where I think if I were to be, if someone were to describe to me what happened in this arc, I would actually kind of enjoy it. I think there's some clever plotting that goes on here, like the whole idea of. John Stewart's whole idea about getting Barry to bring them through a portal to this planet that's far away from a yellow sun, like that's that that that's a clever that's a clever bit of of writing there. And, there. and There's a lot in this book that, from a plot standpoint, I think is is pretty good and pretty clever. And you know, we got Sodom Yat in it and all of this, but I can't help but just find this is a very very boring Justice League story. Yeah. that's my thought (laughs) agreed did you also sort of like some of the plot machinations
2: i mean i feel like get the daxamite slash kryptonian adjacent villain away from yellow sun is like very expected it's not innovative or surprising necessarily um I like the monkey art.
3: Okay.
1: Vince? Uh yeah, um this was tremendously boring and I think <laughs> um, that doesn't that doesn't mean boring. it
3: was
1: Yes, yeah. That doesn't mean it was awful or anything, but but it's like Zach said it's every beat of this is pretty expected. Down to the idea that uh, you know they've got Sodom Yat there, and they tell him like you know you're you're welcome to come around anytime you want, and he's like, Nah, probably not. See ya.
3: <laughs> yep.
1: <laughs> you know, I'm I, I'm kind of sick of. I think I'm gonna use my time here talking about this issue to not talk about this issue, but to talk about a couple of things about modern comics. Specifically DC because that's mostly what I'm reading
0: that bother me. Look at I that feel... a DC three cast member reading DC comics. How <laughs> novel! Ooh, that's 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 some, killer, that's
1: some killer shade on Zach there. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that.
2: Um, I go where the goods are. Okay, so you are my the mercenary. First... Wow. Yeah.
1: Okay. <laughs> Man. He did get Dan DiLeo fired <laughs> with his time <laughs> off.
3: Um, he uh,
1: okay. So my my first point. Um, I I feel like these days, ever since the New Fifty Two, really. Every time it looks like DC is going to expand the universe or bring new characters in or bring. Old characters back, most of the time, I'm sure there's exceptions. They're afraid to let them stick around. It always seems like they're there for an arc. Like, I feel like Sodom Yacht used to be just constantly in the background of every Green Lantern story, you know?
0: That might be overselling. I know what you're saying, but I don't think he was around that much.
1: I'm, but every time you saw, like, a group shot of the. Lantern Corps he
2: was probably there you know he he was around for almost all of John's run
1: yeah but my my point is I, I just feel like they do this thing where they bring these characters back or they you know tease a new character joining the Justice League or whatever and they're there for an arc and then you never you don't see them again for another three four five years and you know, if we're if we're going into this status quo where every story matters and the DCU is supposed to be blown wide open again, um, and we get all these characters and stories back, I, I just feel like they need to put more of these ancillary characters into their books and have them stick around. Um, and I think. You know, part of the problem with that is that there's been a real shift since the new 52 started uh, towards having the Justice League be the Justice League you recognize. Right. Um, every character has to be the version that you recognize. And again, there's been some exceptions like the the Gordon Batman stuff, you know, but but for for the Gordon most part, Batman
0: didn't really show up in Justice League that much.
1: No, exactly. They they ran a Justice League story, if I remember correctly, that either didn't
2: didn't it was include the didn't inc- Yeah, it was the Dark Side War thing was going on then. Sure, and was Batman in that or not? I don't remember. He, right, yeah, Bat all the normal characters were in it. It didn't yeah. reflect the the DCU status quo at all. No, right.
1: So and I, I just I I miss the like weird little curveballs that they would throw into these teams sometimes, you know? Um I, I I would love to see a Justice League that has some some weirder characters actually join them for a, join the roster for a while, you know I I just this is just such a basic take,, uh, and then to sideline, sodom yacht again i mean because they can't even just let him they he can't even say like uh yeah i'll I'll stick around or you'll see me again he's he basically is like i don't know how much i don't know how much you're gonna see me you know like uh he's basically telling readers like look don't get used to having me around (laughs) (laughs) um and then the other point i want to make is um that we we no longer we no longer have team books where you learn anything about the characters or their relationships. And I I was reading a bunch of comics from the eighties as I am want to do. And I read a few issues of the outsiders book that started around the time that crisis was happening. And there you have a team, you know, it's your typical outsiders members Black Lightning, Katana, etc. But you know, easily half the issue or more is dealing with who these characters are as people, and how they bounce off of one another, and what they've got going on in their own lives. There's a a storyline about how Looker has left her old life behind, and she gets a present from um, I don't know her husband or boyfriend. I can't remember. I'm not really sure, but like it reminds her of this life she left behind to become Looker. And uh, it's just this really, it's this really like surprisingly powerful moment that has nothing to do with anything else in the issue. And there's just not enough of that in comics anymore. And it's a real shame, especially when you have like four, five, six issue arcs. Where ostensibly you would have time for more of that stuff, but you read an arc like this, and it's mostly uh, characters beating one another up, fight scenes, explosions, uh, Deus, Ex, Deus Ex Machina style conclusions, and that's about it. There's no there's no arc here for anyone. And I, you know, you can have books that are like that, and that's fine. But I feel like, I feel like that's just what Justice League has been for so long. It's no longer saying anything about any of these characters, it's just putting them in puzzle boxes for them to solve.
0: Can I just slightly push back against that? Not with Justice League, but in general?
1: Sure. I'm talking about. Justice League but, but what I,
0: yeah what I was going to say though is like I think a book like Teen Titans for instance Teen
1: Titans is the yes excellent that's the exception
0: and I think but part of that is that you don't get those characters running around in other books I think part of the reason the Justice League is so reticent to tell you anything about the characters is because every one of those characters is being written by somebody else in a more in a more or equally high profile way and so they just feel like it's the safest bet to to not make it anything more than just an action movie in a comic. I'm not saying that's a good thing, but I do think that there are books that are doing that at DC, just not in justice league.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, teen Titans is the big one and that, and that's why I've enjoyed that book so much because you actually do learn things about these characters and, and they, they have lives outside of the team and, uh, And yeah, you're right, like, Bendis is doing tons of of personal stuff with Superman, that's right. I just wish when everybody got together, there was still room for some of that stuff.
0: Right. No, I get that, I'm not saying you're wrong, I I just did want to say, you know, I think that there is still some good character work happening places, it's just not happening in Justice League whatsoever.
1: For sure, yeah. Yep, and that was the case going back to, like, the New 52 and the John stuff, it was all very much uh, plot, plot, plot. And they're all, you know, these five, six issue deals. It just feels so uh, bloated with nothing but action.
0: I mean, we've talked a lot in the past about our desire for Justice League to not mean those seven characters. And I think that's part of the problem, too. Yeah. Is that there are so many interesting characters DC could be putting there where they they would have things to say about their characters, but unfortunately, you know, they're sharing Batman with seven other books or whatever. Right. So, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like we have had Justice Leagues in the past that have had interesting things to say about the characters in the cast. It's like for instance the robinson run
0: (laughs) i was gonna bring it up but i knew you would so that's pre-new
1: 52 and i specifically said
0: sure sure
1: yeah yeah okay now it's 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 become this uh tentpole and i'm sure it's intentional it's just my criticism of it is is that it's not what i'm looking for and you know it it's they tend to put great artists on these books. Almost every arc is something that no one is going to remember in two years. You know, no one is going to remember this apologies to Venditti, but like no one is going to remember this four issue arc or whatever it was.
0: I just had a thought and it has escaped my brain, but it was smart and I'm sad. I lost it. Um,
1: Shit. Well, you're not used to that, so. I know, I know. It's an unusual <laughs> occurrence,
0: so I gotta. Dang. Gotta savage. Strike while well nice. the iron's hot here. Oh, no, just kidding. Uh, yeah. Something about Justice League. Oh, well. I'm sure it'll come to me when I'm, when I'm half asleep later tonight, so. Uh, anyway, let's move on. All right? Nothing else to say about that book, I presume?
2: Well, the only other thing that I'll say that we haven't really touched on that I think is a a um you know handicap it has is it's essentially kind of out of continuity right now it's it's in continuity but it's it cannot matter right now you know <laughs> right so it has no bearing on anything which sometimes can be good but I think in this case is bad
0: yeah I agree with that. Uh, what was the last Justice League title that really felt in continuity, by the way?
2: I mean, like, Snyder's stuff is, like...
0: It's not, I mean, Snyder's stuff. I don't know. I, that always felt to me like Snyder's stuff wasn't being reflected across the board. I mean, it was, like, the status
2: quo of, the, like, the whole line with the... um, With No
0: Justice? Year of the Villain. I think that's true in a macro sense, but I don't know if anything that ever happened in one of his Justice League issues was ever the, the subject of a editor's box in a non-Justice League comic.
2: Well, I mean, we had, like, several months where Lex showed up in, like, every single book to give somebody an upgrade. Sure, but and the term... doom signal was showing up all the
0: time. And... Sure, but I I mean... I'm talking about in terms of actual, like, not a character showing up someplace else to do that, but, like... like nobody walked through nobody was walking through downtown metropolis and said hey the daily planet building is destroyed and then editor box said see justice league whatever like it was very self-contained even though it was a. no i
2: think they did that with like lex like with him like blowing himself up i feel like that got mentioned in some other books
0: that happened in justice um,
2: league it was in the free comic book day issue okay Which was written by Snyder. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know, but I mean, like, how much other like that's? I feel like that's as in continuity as anything can get. That's like, what I was gonna say. How, Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. I
0: have my thought. Doesn't Justice League now feel like pre Bendis Avengers?
2: Yes. Sort of. I don't know. I didn't read Pre Bendis. <laughs> I don't Avengers. even remember why. I, I, was Pre Who was Pre Bendis? Well, that was like the Busek run, right?
0: I don't mean just like the run directly before Bendis. I mean like before Bendis took over Avengers. Avengers uh, was a yeah. very boring team up book for a long. It time. didn't, and it didn't matter. Right? It didn't matter at all. It was just like, yeah. It was just you had these big characters together, but there was very little that you cared about with those in those books.
2: Sure. Sure. That's also like really how I felt about it during the hitch run, too, though. Oh
0: absolutely, yes.
2: Yeah. Like. Um. And really even
0: Even. You,
2: even. Think about like the John's run. For most of that, Justice League really didn't matter either.
1: hmm It's funny how it was it was it was set up to sort of be a really important event, Cedar. Remember how that, like, first, first arc, or maybe it was the end of the second arc, had that, like, mystery... There was, like, a someone writing a book.
2: Yeah, the author like, who... Yeah, yeah, who turned himself into, like, a weird skull face villain or something. Is, is yes. that what
1: happened? Yeah. Yeah. So and I, I feel like, and I could be misremembering, I thought that that was supposed to be much bigger and then editorial plans changed and then they went to the forever evil stuff instead.
2: Yeah, I can't remember how cuz so yeah, so it was like the first six issues was the origin arc and then there were like two one-off issues and then that four-part arc with the author guy and that was, was pretty much the end of the Jim Lee stuff. That was, was a
1: four-part arc? Geez. Yeah. Christ was that almighty. Also...
0: Was that also when there was... Was it Atomica? Like the evil female Adam who was like a yeah, mole she, on the team? Uh-huh. Was that the same? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, that, yeah, that was
1: yeah. her. She, well, yeah. next next reading series, New 52 Justice No, <laughs> fuck you, <laughs> no. I don't remember shit from it.
2: <laughs> well, I really... Well, there's that one issue that we always, for some reason, talk about that oh,
1: was... Oh, wonderful.
2: Yes. That has the uh who's the artist uh jesus says says yes yeah yeah um there's that issue which we always talk about which one and then i really
1: i think it's justice league recruiting issue it's like 19 that's with Tomica, isn't it
2: yeah that's where she comes in yeah yeah.
3: okay which is
2: like i think either right before or right after i think it's right after the throne of atlantis arc
0: Mm-hmm. The third of Atlantis, I believe, is when Shazam joined the either the team or the I backups. I think you're right. Uh,
2: yes, or both. He joined the backups in thirteen because he Cause zero zero, month. zero yes, month was the first yes. story, and then thirteen was the beginning of his backups. And those ran up to those backups ran up to the uh, Trinity War crossover. Uh, um in fact i think there was an issue right before trinity war that like was just shazam and closed out everything
0: wasn't that the zero issue
2: i thought the zero issue started it
0: i could be wrong there was an issue that was just shazam though you're right yeah maybe
2: maybe there weren't two i can't remember um maybe the shazam stuff was going before that i thought it went up to trinity war but now i can't remember Maybe that oh, I really don't remember about that. But you then, realize that um, the
0: three of us right now remember more about that run than Jeff Johns does, right?
2: Probably, yeah. yeah. I, I actually I remember really think, more about I remember more about that
1: run than I do about the last four issues of Justice League I just read.
2: <laughs> I I really think that that run was pretty good from like after Forever Evil on. Um like that arc right after Forever Evil where uh Jess joins the team and Captain Cold and Lex are on the team. Oh yeah. And the Doom Patrol shows up. Do you remember that? Oh yeah. Yep.
3: Shit, man. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think that's good. And then I actually I like the Dooms or the the Justice or crap, what am I saying? The Dark Side War. Dark side I like War. Dark Side War uh pretty well. So Man, that gave us that Tom King Green Lantern
3: issue.
1: <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> the only good thing he's ever written no. No, no,
3: the Omega no, Man, no, no, no. Grayson I know,
1: I know, I know. Shut up. Shut up. We get to hey, hey, between between Grayson and
2: uh Oh, hey, I wanna talk the, about
1: the the Lex uh, Justice League stuff, we get to revisit both this week. That's in yeah. some ways.
2: That's true. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, oh, we'll isn't that. that funny how, like, now we'll get to it, but how John's Justice League is more important now than it was <laughs> ever in the new 52? <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, well, we'll talk about it. We'll, we'll talk, talk about, about it. it. Talk about it later.
3: Yeah.
0: Well, right now, let's talk about, uh, you know, I, I inflicted Justice League upon the podcast, but Vince inflicted Nightwing <laughs> upon the podcast. Nightmare this was better 70. than Justice League. It was not. We'll get to it. Written it by was. Dan Jurgens, illustrated by Ryan Benjamin. Juergens, you're good again. You're golden. You're golden boy. He is boy. good. He is okay,
2: good. So this I, was a solid. This is a solid six. It's maybe even a six was, and a half. It's Not a solid six. It's a six.
1: Please. Yep, I would say the same thing. I took a four point five. You guys. No. 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 The All only right. thing is, he he has to. He still is having to overcome. The Rick Grayson bullshit, which is beyond dumb. Aside from it that, is. this is a perfectly crumpulent Dan Jurgens comic. Right.
2: It is the the dialogue is actually pretty good. I think um, the art is pretty good. I think so. Uh, I I haven't always liked Ryan Benjamin, but this is pretty good. And I think the I have not read an issue of Nightwing since I don't know, but <laughs> this like plot thread of him having. Like, I'm, we're moving – people still call him Rick Grayson, uh, but I like this dual past thing where he has memories of his real life and then this alternate life where he grew up as a Talon. I think that's cool. I actually like that a lot.
1: I like it, but I think it's beyond stupid. It, like it's, it's beyond stupid.
2: Well, it's very stupid, but it's better than, like – oh, I, I don't remember anything, and I'm Rick Grayson.
1: Yeah, yeah. but yes, it, you're right. Certainly, you're right.
0: Certainly. Uh, can I just say one, uh, two quick notes that, that have nothing to do with the plot, but I want to say before I forget? You can say whatever you want. Go off, King. The first is that Ryan Benjamin draws Rick Grayson like he's former Multiversity editor Matt Garcia. If any of you guys have ever actually seen Matt Garcia, he looks a lot like Rick Grayson from this issue. Let's start Yeah. There. Second of all, this is the worst costume that one's ever had.
2: This is a
1: terrible oh,
0: costume. oh yeah, it's terrible.
2: Oh, but I like it because it's so bad.
0: <laughs> he looks like Bucky
1: Barnes.
2: Yes, I was just gonna say he looks. Like- he does. Yeah, I like it actually. You know what? You know
1: it's what he so looks bad, it's like. Good.
0: Matt Garcia he looks- dresses Bucky Barnes.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. Well, yeah, but but he looks like. Uh, you know how every Halloween there's like the the knockoff costumes that people uh, take pictures of and they put online. Like there's the Beatles, there's demon. the Beetle, Juice demon. this is, um, this would be called like the autumn troop or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> the, the December, uh,
0: the December, December warmen.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It would be. Yeah.
0: Yes. That's, that's
1: what this costume is. Um, the, Okay. So do you have anything more Brian you want to go off a little uh, more?
0: We'll talk more later I just wanted to get those two things out before I forgot them
1: okay the the other dumb thing I have to say about this book which um piggybacks off of what Zach said about the dual set of memories thing that is a better that is a, a better more comic booky uh easier to swallow plot than just the whole like, whatever came before but I still find it incredibly stupid that there there's one page and I don't have it in front of me so I don't know exactly what he says but he's pouring over his two sets of memories and he's talking about how there's one where he's raised by Talon but he 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 knows that the doctor who saved him affect, was a Talon and affected his memory with this crystal so like he can recall that information, but he still is getting tripped. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he can tell you, hey, this doctor fucked with my mind with this crystal. And she was a Talon. But I can't help but think that maybe I was raised as a Talon. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's no way to square that circle that is anything but incredibly stupid. And I don't blame that on Jurgen's. I blame that on the the complete mess that he was left with um but they the sooner they clean that up the better um the also, night oh go, go for it you No, know,
2: that's what i was gonna i wanted to talk about the night wings
1: oh go on yeah
2: i thought off. i thought that's what you were about to say
1: nope nope not at all
2: oh well it's just um that's all i have to say
1: <laughs> yeah I, I i could not give a crap about these other guys who are dressing up like night um but the part of this issue that was absolutely delightful <laughs> it was jergen's joker i think good joker is back you guys <laughs> we were talk we were talking about how the um the tinyan joker in his batman run has been good this is a good joker he's sneaking around he's blowing guys up with fake cigars <laughs> he's-
2: it's great yeah i agree he's good i think he's good
0: again yeah I have no problem with this Joker
2: when's the last time we had a good Joker
0: uh Morrison's Batman and Robin yes Oberon Sexton yeah um
3: yeah yeah no I
0: I mean I also do like how Joker just like breaks into Rick Grayson's apartment and instantly sees a crystal and is like mine (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yep.
1: And, and apparently knows like what it's for, you yeah. know?
0: Hey, that looks like a mind control crystal. <laughs> <laughs> this, which must of be course, he, obviously,
2: yeah.
1: This must be why he thinks he's Rick and not Dick yeah. anymore.
0: <laughs> I feel like Ryan Benjamin's Joker on that last page is like directly out of Nightfall, like that era. It's just such mm. a '90s Joker.
3: I'm not Mm -hmm. complaining about
0: that. It's a good thing. It's just, it's very, very 90s. Yeah. Yeah. I, I,
1: yeah, I think this is about a six. You know, that's, that's probably as high as I'll go, but.
0: See, I I just think that the dumb drags it down a lot. And we spend a bunch of time, like, one of the things that Juergens is notorious for, and on some level i respect this but he spends a solid three or four pages just catching you up on what you've been already reading if you've been reading the book but since i haven't been reading the book i appreciate that but i can imagine just this being unreadable if you're reading it every month like why Mm. why is there two full pages of me talking about of of him talking about why you know he doesn't have his memories or whatever uh it's just (laughs) it's just intolerable um
1: because he's got to catch the people who are uh, the Joker jumping on for Joker
0: War. Jump on Joker. Are we Joker Warhawks? <laughs> I'm
1: fully Jokerfied.
0: Your fries and everything?
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: <laughs> All right, well, let's, let's take a break. And when we come back, we have uh, two, dare I say, more interesting books to talk about. So, stay
2: Subscribe to Robots from Tomorrow in iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss a thing. Robots from Tomorrow has hours of comic-focused entertainment week in and week out. And now, back to your show.
0: And we are back with the Robin 80th anniversary 100-page spectacular. And in some ways, it was spectacular. We'll talk about it. Uh, Should we go story by story in this one?
1: I think so. I think we could, yeah.
0: Okay. Probably, uh, I don't
1: think we'll have as much to say about e- every one of them. But sure. Sure. Yeah. We
0: can do it. Uh, so I, I do want to point out that, in some ways, it's very fitting because it's really the, it's really Dick Grayson's 80th anniversary, right? Not, not the mantle of Robin. It's Dick, and um, I mean it's both. But you know, you understand what I'm saying. So there are one, two, three, four. I guess there are four Dick Grayson stories, two Tim Drake stories, two Damien stories, one Jason Todd. One Stephanie Brown. Uh, how do you guys feel about that breakdown of characters?
2: I feel pretty good about it.
1: Yeah, i th- I think I think that makes sense. I think I was trying to think of like the other Robins, like Carrie Kelly. Now she gets a pinup. She's a pinup, but, yeah. Yep. So that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I I understand why there wouldn't be a Carrie Kelly story because that's very much its own universe. That that DC doesn't mess around with a whole lot unless Frank Miller's doing it, you know? So mm-hmm. I totally get that. Um, Duke Duke was never really a Robin, right?
2: He was, we are Robin. There was, we are Robin.
1: Right. That's, and I, I get the sense that that just doesn't count because they're not, yeah. they're not like official Robins. Right.
2: And, it would have been really cool to get up story with that just to get like james harvey back I was just to say that or something yeah
0: he's one of the james harvey story in there yeah yeah, yeah, yeah
2: that would have been, been great
1: that would have been too much to ask for but yeah that would have yeah, been great.
2: and i mean they could have gone wild and done like a you know dc one million robin story or yeah. like um
0: was there ever officially a batman know. beyond robin
1: yeah uh yeah there is right now Read your Dan Jurgens, guys. God damn, I'd Dan. really
0: rather not. He's,
1: he's a living legend.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. You, this. Uh, the Thank fact that they chose what they did. Out. Oh my goodness. I, I this,
1: almost been bubbly all over myself.
2: This <laughs> felt to me like this felt very 5G to me. Yes. Yes.
1: Go off, King. I was going to talk about this, but I want you you to.
2: Well, this just feels like this is the history of the Robins. Even Stephanie Brown, who has not been a Robin in continuity since the New 52 started. And this isn't necessarily saying that she is, but I think it pretty much is saying that she was. It is saying that she Every once in
1: a while, you will get a... She'll throw like a line out about how I was I was Robin for like a week or something like that. Like I yeah. I'm sure I've seen that, but but yeah, no, I think you're right, Zach. I think this is absolutely what they're going for by by giving her her own story in this. Mm-hmm. You will notice, and I'm I'll let you talk again in a second, but I just want as long as you brought this up, I just wanted to point this out. You'll notice that one of that the writer of the Stephanie Brown story, Amy Wolfram, is not a regular DC writer. Well, she is, but not within the DCU. She's written like uh cartoon network, uh, DC superhero girls adjacent mm. comics. But if you believe what uncle rich said about five G, they were looking to get those exact type of writers to come on yep. and do generation five books. So it would not surprise me at all. If, Stephanie Brown's inclusion being written by Amy Wolfram was for that exact purpose. Uh, now, I just want to get that out there. So continue, Zach.
2: Well, I was just, I mean, I'm just going to say this um, This is kind of the, you know, unified theory of Robin book. Um, <laughs> this is making it all work and not having to cram it into five years or whatever. Um, even though it, it's actually, for the most part, pretty much more consistent with the new 52 and rebirth depictions you know we see we get a red robin story and tim's wearing his the the red robin suit that he was wearing when um was on tech as opposed to like the the marcus toe pre-flashpoint red robin suit um but it definitely seems to just be like saying, yeah, this is, this is how Robins have been. Um, And it really makes me wonder if this is how the rest of these 80th anniversary books are going to be.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of think so. Um, Now refresh my memory. Have we had these for? We've had these for which characters
0: now? The Flash and Wonder Woman recently, but those were those, those were, were milestone b- issues. Those weren't anniversary. Those were, yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Although I yeah. think I
0: think for all intents and purposes they're the same.
2: That's, they kind of I, served I the same right. purpose. Yeah, they
0: did. They
1: even have the same uh, sort of story structure in that, like uh, if you think about the Flash one, there were a few. Uh, writer artist pairings and and um sort of paired up with their timeline in that like the Manapul buccaletto stuff
3: uh-huh.
1: the the Johns and and uh, Scott Collins story yeah,
0: right and you like, getting not, the same not, thing not, here
1: right you're getting the exact same thing here with Chuck yeah. Dixon and uh Devin Grayson and uh, the what Judd Winnick Is writing Uh one of these, which was nuts. The Tim Seeley and Tom King back for the Agent Thirty Seven stuff. They're all getting these teams are getting back together to write and draw stuff from those specific storylines, enhancing this idea that every story matters. You know, Um, I I I think that I, I think the stories in this are a little. More uneven when compared to the Wonder Woman and Flash one, but I I love the concept here. I love that they're doing it this way.
0: The I have two very small gripes about the stories like the sort of the structure of the book. Which I think Jason Todd deserve two stories. I think if you're giving Dick four and Tim two and Damien two, Jason probably deserves two, one as Robin and one as Red Hood. Mm-hmm. Uh, but th- this story kind of bridges both of those, so I, I'm I'm not super upset with that. The other thing is just I don't understand why they didn't give Dick and the Titans an early like a a Wolfman Perez era story. Because it seems like to me that's that's when you, when you think of Dick Grayson with the Titans, don't you think of that more than this era? Yeah, those are my only two gripes as sort of like the structure of the book. Uh, and they're both relatively minor. Anything else about the yeah. overarching stuff before we get to the specific stories?
2: I guess uh, the, like the oh, the only thing I was gonna say I don't really mind that they didn't give Jason two stories because I kind of feel like his one story captures pretty much you know the it has him as Robin and has him as Red Hood. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't really know what else you need there. Uh, and I actually really liked his story a lot so yeah
1: that the only other thing i want to say is that i love the data pages at the end mm. um it reminded me of collecting trading cards in the 90s it reminded me of stuff you would see on a trading card um and i love i would love for that to be a template for um fi- for 5g or you know I think it's clear that they're not doing 5G the way that they intended to, but, but, but they are going to do some sort of timeline thing where, where every story matters. Right. Right. So I don't, I don't know what we're going to call that. Maybe we'll just call it the timeline, but like, I would love if the information was doled out in back matter data pages like that. I just, that's like, that's like chicken soup to me.
2: Um, Two thoughts on that. The other thing that it kind of reminds me of is, are, like, secret, secret files issues. I was issues. just going to say that. Mm.
0: Secret files and origins, yep.
2: Yeah, and the other thing, Vince, you're always talking about, um, you know, you, you're a big Marvel cosmic mark, and I'm going through, like, some of that, yes. uh, going through Annihilation, and Andy Schmidt was, you know, was the editor on that. He's going to be writing some of these generation books, and this reminds me of those data pages that they had too in those mini series and things like that.
1: That's a great poll. Yes. Yes, absolutely.
2: Yeah. Need more data pages
0: for sure. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's just,
2: or just bring back who's who, honestly, (laughs) let's
0: just do that. We do need
1: a who's who. Yes.
0: I've been saying that forever guys. Come on. All right. Um, so let's, let's dig into uh, A Little Nudge, the first one, written by Marv Wolfman, illustrated by Tom Grummet, who I, I think Tom Grummet is a classic DC artist. I think when you're looking for this era, there's nobody still working that can do as authentic a version of this as Tom Grummet can. And he's been mm-hmm. doing good work since the 90s. I really like his art here. I love it. It's classic. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I liked this story a lot, actually. I thought it uh, really showcased how much of a dick Bruce is. Yeah. Um, And... uh, God, you hate Batman. I hate Bruce. He's the worst. (laughs) Um, But, uh, yeah, no, I thought it was, like, a good... I thought it was a really good story. And we've seen this so many times, you know, the... the Dick... you know getting getting too old to be robin getting ready to go be nightwing we, we've seen that story so many times but i felt like this really got to the got to the heart of it um the art was really good that i will say i i bruce is the worst but he his costume's really good in this you know <laughs> this,
3: this is ten. a great <laughs> yeah, great uh, costume
2: <laughs> yeah really good
0: this is Batman um, should always look
2: yes yeah so good um Yeah, I actually really, really liked this one, and I I was kind of surprised how much I liked it.
0: There's a couple of stories in this issue that try and really get across the differences between Bruce and Dick. I thought this one did so in a less ham-fisted way than the one does later. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) From the king of...
3: (laughs) <laughs> ham
1: fists right yeah <laughs> um yeah yeah i i really enjoyed this um dicks dicks in the undies too yeah. we've been talking we've been talking about the undies the undies matter you
0: guys uh every, all undies matter um yeah, this is probably the first story since the new 52 started where he's not wearing that like faux tim tim Drake pants Robin suit, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah.
3: There, uh, we've I would call it, it a pantsuit
0: seen... because that's a different implication. But
1: yeah, we've seen it a couple times recently because I, I've been bringing it up to 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 show that like that that's a, to me that's a sign that like DC's putting their money where their mouth is.
2: Yeah, well, I think uh, it's like it's like Clark got his trunks back, so yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Well, but this is this is the them. first like full. We've seen it in flashbacks here and there, like a panel here and there. Yeah, this is the first story we've gotten.
1: Yes. Yep. I love the moment where the kid's wearing the the uh, Batman shirt and he says he wanted he wanted Robins, but uh, it was all sold out.
3: Yeah,
1: um, that was a nice moment, even though that would never happen. That There <laughs> would always be a Robin shirt on the on the shelf. Um, yeah,
0: it was good. Alright, so after that we get a Nightwing story, a Nightwing solo story, um, written by Chuck Dixon, illustrated by Scott McDaniel. I believe the two of them did the bulk of the first Nightwing series.
2: That sounds right.
0: I think that's right, yeah. Yeah. Um, This story is, I would say this is maybe the the story that goes the least into Dick's, um, like, goes goes the least deep into Dick's character. Um, yeah, you Amy, know what this this was though. What's that?
2: It's the secret origin of the Joseph Gordon Levitt. <laughs> I was thinking the
0: same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Yeah, Uh,
2: But I guess this is interesting. Yeah, it's fine, but it's also this is a No Man's Land story, right? I believe so. This would have been that era, yeah. So that's that's interesting. I think they've made mention to No Man's Land type stories since the New 52 happened, but just kind of another neat little nod to pre-Flashpoint stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and ag- and again, just kind of highlighting the the timeline, timelineiness of it all.
1: yep and uh, and Chuck Dixon's back from
0: writing QAnon comics. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I feel like if, to do a Dick Grayson book without having Chuck Dixon would be, it would be an egregious omission, but a totally understandable one in twenty twenty. But he <laughs> he's fine here. I still don't agree with the hiring, but he's fine here. Sure. I, I haven't spotted any uh JFK Jr. masks or anything in the in the background <laughs> to uh you know. <laughs> it's a deep QAnon cut there, folks. Um yeah. All right, well then that brings us to the Nightwing and the Titan story written by Devin Grayson, illustrated by Dan Jurgens, your boy, and uh yeah. I and, like Dan Juergens
1: art. Dan Juergens is in the, the Tom Grummet category for me.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and this is somewhat tempered Dan Juergens art too, uh, be, <laughs> because, uh, he's inked here by, uh, who is it? Uh, Norm Ratmond mm-hmm. who does a lot of, who works with him a lot in the nineties. And I, I, I always like that pairing together. And, uh, this is really this is a story less about Dick as a character and more about just how um, how good of a leader slash team member slash superhero Dick is, and I feel like this is the type of story that we were getting a lot of a lot around the time of his death quote death in Forever Evil, or like his near death in uh, Infinite Crisis. You were getting a lot of stories for a while where people were just like. Man, Dick Grayson's great, <laughs> and people talking about how he's like. It was the beginning of Dick Grayson being the sort of avatar for all that is good at DC, and this story reminded me of those stories. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I'd agree. What did you think of the story, Zach?
2: Uh, I thought it was. I thought it was fun. Uh, you know, it it was pretty slight. It was it kind of like struck me how weird it was at first how it mostly focused on Damien Dark and the and the hive, but then I think the way it resolves is really funny and and good. Um it it was a cute story. I liked it.
1: Yeah, it 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 really won me over at the end there. I, I was thinking the same thing. I was I was maybe that makes me an idiot or something, but I was reading this and I was like, okay, what is this? Yeah, they're talking kind of about Dick and his leadership, I guess, but I want him to be more of a part of this. And then the ending is just perfect, the reveal. And and the only thing was missing was a rubbery piece of pizza
2: <laughs>
1: because Dick talks Should, about having a pizza night.
2: If if Brett Booth had illustrated this, it would have happened for
1: right, sure. It would have, but, you, you know, he works with Norm Ratman, so you would have thought that Norm Rapman would have like inked in a piece of pizza somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Over Jurgen's art. Like like that that diamond or that jewel that he's holding in the Yep. At towards the end, like in the last panel, it morphs into a slice of pizza. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: I could see
2: it.
0: Yeah, for sure. Alright, then we are left with the final Dick Grayson story, which brings the entire Grayson crew back together. Written by Tim Seeley and Tom King, illustrated by Michael Janine. Vince? Eh. <laughs> I I
1: could take or leave this one. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, not not only are you right about it being like super ham fisted, but by this point I did feel like I, I, I did think like, okay, we get it. We get how, like you said, uh Dick and Bruce are different. And I don't know. It was it was really nice to look at. The art was really good, but the, the story didn't do anything for me uh on top of that. And uh well, like I said, I didn't hate it, but but I, I also think that in a Robin anniversary issue, I don't know that I needed agent 37 story. I I feel like even Nightwing, even though he's not Robin anymore, makes sense because of how much he interacts with the, he's still very much a part of the bat family in any time that he's Nightwing. But uh, this was just so far removed from Robin at all that I don't know that I needed it in this anniversary issue.
0: See, I, I'm glad it was in here, because um, I think that again, you're celebrating 80 years of Dick Grayson as much as you are 80 years of Robin, and so this is an important part of that character. Um, but is it is. It is. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I would argue it is.
2: I, I, I would argue it is, and and I actually really like this i thought it i didn't think it was ham-fisted at all i thought it was good and i thought it was further proof that uh tim seeley actually was the mastermind behind
1: (laughs) well tim (laughs) is great
2: yeah he's he he's the he's yeah because i mean you know we kind of wondered after after the great divorce and (laughs) they split ways and one one did nightwing and one did batman and One was light and one was darkness, and uh, (laughs) you really had to wonder what was going on there, and I I think that this shows that – I think
0: this shows. So as usual, I fall in between you guys. Um, I thought that there were some good parts of this. I just felt like the the trope of showing Bruce telling Dick to do one thing and then Dick doing the other, once that happened one time – I was like all right here comes the rest of the uh, the issue now it just it became a very clear trope and I don't think it did enough to subvert that trope nor do I think that trope is fun enough to just do it on its own um it was fine it was fine that's fair i
2: liked it i liked it a lot i thought it was fun enough for a a 10 page story um and that Janine art, art's very good. Yeah, he And Spyro, can... man, I I'm probably just like I'm just a sucker for this like status quo too,
0: so I mean it, it was it was good. My fear whenever reading something like this, or if I read go back and read read the Omega Men, is that I'm gonna realize that I was just full of shit and it's always been bad. <laughs> so I was a little bit relieved, but a little bit concerned by my reaction to this one story. Yeah, see I
2: think I thought like oh this is I'm glad this is good because it it confirms that this was good to mm-hmm. me at yeah. least. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm I'm kind of with you on that, but I had like a more uh relieved feeling overall.
0: Yeah, it's fine. And that brings us to our uh solitary Jason Todd story which as I think Vince was the one who mentioned it before is uh written by Long, I mean, I guess essentially the guy who brought Jason Todd back, uh, which which is Judd Winnick, who has not done a DC book, I want to say, since Batwing. Oh,
1: I think that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And illustrated by Dustin Wynn, which is a winning combination. Pardon the win pun. Um, I like this story a whole lot. Yeah, I would think I think
2: I might say I might say top 3 for me, actually.
1: I think this was my favorite story in the whole wow. thing. Wow. Yeah,
2: I and I we have
1: quorum. Let, <laughs> well, I think let me tell you why. Because now Jason Todd is known as like the uh grim castaway robin the one who's always uh dark and gritty brooding right mm-hmm. um i but i love that winnick got the young jason todd right because uh, first of all we just don't ever see jason todd as robin even in flashbacks Hardly ever, you know, maybe once or twice a year, in an issue of Red Hood and the Outlaws, uh, Beware the Creeper. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but the thing that I loved when I was reading my when I was doing my Detective Comics read through was to read these Jason stories where he's Robin, and in it seemed like in every issue it was part of his character. Like he and Bruce would be staking out, they'd be like at a circus or something, staking out uh, some crime that they hear is going to be committed or whatever. And Jason has like his big thing of popcorn and, and a hot dog or whatever. And he's just there to watch the circus. And he's like excited to eat a hot dog and watch the circus. And Bruce has to remind him what they're actually there for. And, part of his character as Robin was that he was this, this enthusiastic, like smiling boy. And then part of the tragedy is that later, you know, they would make him into the, he would get killed and they would make him into the brooding one. And I love how much he nails both sides of that. And, and doesn't, doesn't try to change who Jason was as Robin. You know, this is totally something that Jason would have done. It's a, a, super sweet moment to have him try to fix uh, Bruce's father's watch. And then to make it all come full circle at the end is just it pretty much icing on the cake. I I can't say enough about this little story.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And Um, it was, it was very slight on dialogue too, which was not a bad thing. I don't think. It it read a little bit quicker than some of the other stories, but it, it still packed a lot of emotional weight, um, especially in the art. Yeah, I, I was taken with how cheerful and youthful when made young Jason appear.
0: Mm-hmm. Pretty much the only good costume decision in the New 52 was when they started doing flashbacks to young Jason – his domino mask was red instead of yellow. Mm. And they never show him here in the domino mask. So I want to see if that continues. I know it's a tiny, tiny point, but I always enjoyed that way to differentiate who was Robin. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, well, there, is how, a,
1: uh... there is a pinup in here that shows them, that shows him as Robin. So let me go. I'll look, I'll look for it. Okay. You guys talk.
0: Yeah. What I was going to say is, you know, I think that this story just like you said, Vince, it, it really captures the young Jason well. And it also it makes older Jason, it shows him still as being intense and sort of, you know, the outsider of the Bat family. But it doesn't make him the sort of shitty blowhard he becomes a lot of times. I know that even the, and maybe that's because he doesn't speak a lot, as, as Zach said, but you know... Um, it's just it, it's a nice, It does a nice job of showing the best of young Jason and the best of older Jason together. And I really enjoy that. Ah, uh,
1: the Domino mask is green on both Dick and Jason. Oh, okay. In this, it's a double page uh, Andy Kubert spread at the end.
2: Okay, what they what they really should have done was make his hair
0: red, <laughs> uh, which, which which was canon. He 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 dyed it black.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I know. Which no one ever talks about. It. I don't understand why Except he's... for Grant. Grant talks about it. Yeah. I don't know why... It just doesn't make sense to me that as an adult, he would continue to dye his hair black to look like Robin. <laughs> so he should be a redhead again, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right, well, then we get into the uh, Tim Drake era with... um. A, a story that's basically Tim Drake seeing his guidance counselor, um, and this is uh, drawn by uh, Batman TmNT great Freddie Williams, illustrated by Adam Beach, written by Adam Beachin What do you guys think of this story?
1: It was fine.
0: Yeah,
2: I think it actually may have been my least favorite of all the stories personally mostly just because I thought it was frustrating (laughs) you know yeah he's clearly doing all of this stuff not everything has to be about extracurriculars (laughs) also I was like did this is gonna nothing against police (laughs) but our 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 Are Police Academies really, really looking for that many (laughs) extracurricular activities?
0: Oh, boy. boy. (laughs) Zach, I I was doing some research for this, and so I watched all eight Police Academy films to give you a better (laughs) understanding of this. And I can say that Commandant Lassard's Academy had rigorous qualifications necessary um, to get into it. Lieutenant Bowser okay. is less so. So it depends That's on the Academy. That's good to know. That's yeah. good.
2: To, I'm sure it does depend on the Academy. I'm sure it depends. But I mean I've seen the Gotham City PD and I, I've I've seen the the manner of of people that they that they let in there. I think okay. I think Tim probably would have been just
0: fine. I, I won't disagree with that. Um my thought on this was just this is the most superfluous story in here that all the other stories told you something you either didn't know about the character or it reinforced like a an important trait of the character and while this story I think I think the story thinks it's doing that but all it is 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 showing us like bits of their life without any real commentary or investigation
2: yeah.
1: Yeah, and I don't I don't really buy so the the there's a thing that happens with Tim sometimes and uh Tynion does it in his story which we'll talk about in a second as well. Um I think Tinyan does it a little better. It, it's 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 hard for me to buy this idea that Tim is some kind of um like uh lost cause is not the right word but like uh like like a guy who doesn't have a thing you know what i mean <laughs> like a blank slate and this story is kind of about how like he he doesn't have a life or he doesn't you know but 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 in reality he does all this stuff and yet you know, they try to make Tim like not only the guidance counselor, but they always try to make Tim's character into this mi- misfit who didn- doesn't belong with the other Robins, you know. And I, I just did, I don't really think that that's the right take on Tim. Totally. Um. So this one di- didn't really emotionally land with me at all because I don't really buy the premise as much.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, if you go back to, apparently as we are a lot this show, Grant Morrison's Batman Inc. I mean, it might not have happened to in Batman Inc. It might have happened in the pages of Batman. But right around the Battle for the Cowl stuff, when uh, Tim basically says to Dick, I'll still be your Robin. And Dick says, like, no, you're my equal. You're not I I you couldn't be my sidekick because you're my brother, you're my equal. Like they have such a strong bond that I can't imagine Tim feeling out of place with Dick. Or even with Bruce. I, I don't know. I feel like of all the Robins, Tim has the least beef with Bruce. Tim's the only Robin who didn't quit or get killed. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, I don't know.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I thought the before next... we move on, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Before we move on, I just want to make it clear I don't have any.
0: I was not trying to be mean to police officers. We all know you fly have... the Blue Lives Matter flag outside your house. So I, I have
2: a I have a lot of pent up aggression towards uh, well meaning but ill intentioned uh, guidance counselors and academic advisors
1: <laughs> you're canceled
0: Zach and that's it chief that's fine Anita LaValla was I've, a wonderful done... counselor for me at Cresco high school so yeah so let's get to the the superior Tim Drake story written by James Tynan the fourth illustrated by Javi Fernandez I'm with you Zach I don't know if this or I, I forget actually if Zacharvin said it uh, my apologies boys I don't. I didn't really buy the Tim as the outsider angle here, but I thought that all of the characters were written very well, and the yes. story works even if the conceit to the story doesn't work as well.
3: Mm-hmm. Y-
2: you want to know my issue with this story? What's that? It's that any time Tinyan kind of gets the chance to tell this kind of story, he all. I feel like this is not the first time that we've had one of these kinds of stories where Tinyan just makes a story about Tim getting ready to do the Gotham Knights thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> sure,
2: yeah. It's it's just like I just, I uh, what I mean part of it is just because this is like such a good status quo that I think we all really enjoyed and to just kind of like perpetually only be able to interact with it in like, well, this is what was happening right before it started, you know, is a little disappointing. Right. But that's it. Uh, otherwise I really liked this.
0: I mean, Javi yeah. Fernandez drawing this is just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, it is.
1: Yeah. You took the words uh, right out of my mouth. Brian on this one, because that is the difference between this one and the one that came before the, the, the conceit around who Tim is, is kind of the same, but they all sound like they all sound like themselves and they all make arguments that I totally buy when talking to him about it, you know? Yes. Um, And so it all comes together better than the last story. Uh, I will say, piggybacking off of what Zach said, at which I totally agree with. I, I'm sure we've seen a story exactly like this before. In fact, I'm pretty sure there was like a uh, several flashback sequences leading up to. I can I can remember Tim like walking with Bruce around that like uh, that big tower that had all the the humongous windows. Where they were like out in the open doing the Gotham Knights stuff. Uh, I, I remember this exact sort of thing already being said, and not only that, but I'm pretty sure he's also done a story where all the other Robins are like, "No, you're the, you're this Robin. You're not. You know." I'm I'm fairly certain he's done all of this exact same stuff before in a different story. Um, but that's okay for for an issue like this for a for a anniversary spectacular I, I can forgive that if it's well written and I think it was
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree all right now we get the Steph Brown story written by Amy Wolfram illustrated by Damian Scott who had done a bunch of the a bunch there wasn't that much uh Steph as Robin stories but Scott was a part of them Back when that was happening in uh gosh, when was that? Was that like two thousand one? Am I making that up? Is that totally wrong?
2: No, I think that's right, like early two thousands.
0: That sounds right. Anyway, what did you what did you think of this? Zach, let's start with you. Well, was
2: I was anyone else kinda weirded out with like the costume stuff? Like, was that supposed to make you feel uncomfortable, or was that just kind of like <laughs> cute tongue-in-cheek stuff? I wasn't really sure where where I was supposed to, what I was supposed to feel about that.
0: It, it felt mean... like a weird place to focus. Let's call it sixty percent of the issue <laughs> yeah. of the story, rather. You know, like it. And I understand that the costume is a metaphor for how the Robin persona doesn't quite fit on Steph. And so this mm-hmm. is like a visual representation of, of it not fitting. Um, so I get that, but it's a lot about her butt. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, uh, it just didn't see and didn't,
2: and didn't her up. breasts and like I felt less weird about it because it was a, a woman writing it, which maybe maybe that's not right for me to like think that, but it, I I feel like it would have been unquestionably creepier if a guy
3: oh yes. was writing
2: that oh like, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it would have been really weird. And so like the fact that a woman's writing it like that actually is kind of like, OK, this is yes, like finding clothes that fit you well is hard. <laughs> so nice. that's understandable and kind of nice. But yeah, I, that kind of struck me as weird at first. But otherwise, I mean, I really I really like this and I'm very glad that they chose to do a Steph
0: Brown story for this. That also leads me to believe that Bendis has big plans for her. Mm. Because I feel oh, I like so. I feel like 5 years ago pre-rebirth this never would have happened. Uh if there was a Robin like 75th anniversary show um a show rather an issue I feel like it would not have had a Steph Brown story in it but because we saw her sort of as a part of that Gotham Knights group and because she's popping up in Young Justice you know yeah yeah
3: mm-hmm.
0: Vince what do you think
1: um i liked i i thought this was really charming i i don't know if it was one of my favorite stories but i liked it um i think i think the fact that a that a woman is writing it you know it's a it's a it's a feminine problem from a feminine perspective. And so I totally I wasn't creeped out by it at all. Especially because Damian Scott's art also is super respectful about it, I think. Like there's not any weird sexualization going on in any of it, I don't think. Um like I, I felt like it was drawn in a very straightforward way, not to even even in the with the thing about her getting a wedgie, he covers up her butt you know like it's not like there's this big ass sticking out there going like look at my huge ass you know um it's i thought i thought it was really well done in that way and so you're right it is a little weird to focus on it you know in in steph brown's one story but you know that was the angle that the writer chose to take and i i think it's an interesting one an unexpected one you know and I really like Damian Scott's art, too. Like, it's it's not everybody's cup of tea, I'm sure. But it's it's super cartoony, super playful. And, uh, you know, I wish the big two had artists draw comics that look like this more often.
0: Yeah, I, I was thinking about this as I was reading this issue, which is that I think that the claims of there being a house style at DC and Marvel... Is a little bit overblown, but there are certain styles that just don't get play there anymore, and this is one of those styles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Although uh, I da- do,
2: th- I do think like current Marvel young stuff is kind of like this, actually.
1: Da- Damian Scott actually just drew the uh, Miles Morales: The End issue. Okay.
2: And I was actually just before the show. Came up, I was flipping through our review copy of the the Outlawed story, oh, wow. yeah. and, and it kind of looks a little bit like this. Not quite as exaggerated, but it's it's kind of similar.
1: Yeah, who who drew that one? It was uh, Kim Jacinto, I think.
0: I think so. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to point out before we go to the next story, how much I liked the Nicola Scott. Steph Brown pinup that followed this issue this this story right? Yes. It? Love that. 100%. Oh,
3: yeah.
2: yeah, very good. We uh we need more Nicola Scott. What's the last thing that she did?
0: Um it wasn't that long ago.
2: Didn't she was on Wonder did... Woman.
1: Yeah, didn't she do didn't she do a Wonder Woman story for one of the either wonder woman's 80th anniversary or something she,
2: yeah she might have it's just been a long time since we've had her on an ongoing yeah yeah god bless you
1: thank you i couldn't hit the mutant time um Sorry. she she did that fantastic cover that i ordered for the green lantern 80th oh yeah
0: That has all the did. different
1: lanterns on it
0: yeah that's nice yeah I'm sure that will have a place of prominence in your house, next to the Chip Kid Convergence Variance. Jesus Christ! Which I know you no. saw, but I will never let you live that down. <laughs> no, it's going
2: to be next to all of his Joel Jones. Oh well, yeah.
1: No, that's no, right. That's they're going the face- to be facing. They're going to be facing one. Yeah, they're going to be facing one another so they can kiss. All
0: right. Well, let's get to the next story then, which is the Super Sun story. Uh, woot Woot big ups from uh, the DC3 cast on this one I'm sure written by Pete Tomasi illustrated by Jorge Jimenez again getting the band back together guys this was so fun <laughs> this was so no, good
2: yeah it's very good Uh, just so nice just so sweet
0: and unfortunately because of the new John Kent status quo You're never going to have a story like this really again. So, not that I'm lamenting. I like that status quo. It's just that you're losing this. And so, it was nice to get one more of these stories. Yeah.
1: Although, I I believe the Super Sons are still alive and well in the uh, DC Young graphic novels.
0: Yeah, but that's Garbo.
1: (laughs) Garbo? That was
0: really bad.
1: Was it? I, I didn't yeah, that was. <sighs> I mean, it's no Jorge Jimenez.
0: It, it's not even that. It's I, I want to say okay, really not good. I want to say one of them doesn't have the same like name in that. Like it's a different character. It's not John Kent or Damian Wayne. It's something else. What? Yeah, that's I, weird. Talk amongst yourselves. Okay. I'm gonna look this up.
1: Okay. All right. Um, well, this was very good, and it. Uh... Just really fond memories of this time in rebirth and uh I I loved this stuff with them at school and when he's talking about when Damien has trouble on his homework or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Which is obviously I don't know I don't know if Damien would have trouble. Uh
2: <laughs> so it, it appear Oh, uh, I thought I-, I thought I was implying that John Damien's very smart I think John was is the one who has trouble
1: that's what I'm saying yeah'm um, yeah. I'm, okay, I'm yeah, saying yeah. I, I don't think Damien would have trouble I so I like I liked the little bit there that they did
0: yeah um so uh, I was wrong they do have their correct names <laughs> my apologies uh, <laughs> what but, book did you read <laughs> no, no no but it's it's they're totally different characters though like okay. Damian. He's not
1: Superman's son. Wait, let me check. Oh no, he actually is. Okay.
0: No, what I mean is just that the characterizations are totally different. Um Okay. It's it's not good. Yeah, it's it's I'll, very I'll bad. Take you is it away.
2: is it worse than the Catwoman one where she says fuck a lot? <laughs> I still I, don't believe that that's a thing. It uh, is.
0: It's it's on my it shelf. Is. I I DC sent me a copy of it. I'm looking at it right now actually. Um Read me a line. Hang on, let me, let, me, let me reach over to the shelf and get it. Talk amongst yourselves. All talking, right. talking, Let's see.
2: talking. selves.
0: selves, hey, selves. Hey, I'm just flipping through the book for a fuck here. <laughs> because <laughs> I, don't, I don't have the pages. I, I don't have it annotated yet. You didn't yet. earmark them? <laughs> no, I didn't annotate it yet to get to the fuck parts.
3: <laughs> uh
1: all right, if you don't find it in 10 seconds.
2: Vince is going to make us move on.
1: Yeah, because I've already stalled enough. Yeah,
2: I'm sorry. I, I just
1: thought I'm about sorry, this Zach the other day. I'm Zach,
0: pull a book off the shelf and find a word in it, okay?
1: <laughs> do, you, do you do everything we ask you to do?
0: I try to be a good friend. Brian, make me COVID. an egg cream right now and send it oh,
2: to me. Oh, an egg cream would be fantastic right now. Guys.
1: Send me some Gavagool through the mail. <laughs>
0: You just, you just want to uh, to relive the culinary delights of the Garden State, and I understand why. But that's okay.
1: I do. I want some oh, Taylor Hale.
0: found it. Found it. Hang on. Sorry. <laughs> uh, she is reading. A vo- she sees that she has a voicemail from Bruce Wayne, and she says, "Fuck a duck."
2: <laughs> so
0: and what is Class- the
2: age range on this book?
0: Classic Selena, by the way. Yes. Of course. Um,
1: there is no age. That's the thing that's uh shocking about it. There was no age indicator on at least. I don't know if they've updated it in future volumes, but I i bought the first uh or printings. I mean, I bought the first printing of that thing, and there's nothing on there that would indicate like mature language no, or. It, it
0: says DC Ink, which I believe was their like edgier of the two. Like they the It is. Adult it one. is. But, but how would you know that? Know that? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. How's,
1: Oh, my daughter loves Catwoman.
0: Why is Andrew Dice Clay's girlfriend? Uh, <laughs> he would do the voice of buying this comic.
1: <laughs> Shut up, lady. She, yeah. Hey, the Dice Man would love the language. <laughs> <in> that
0: <book>. <laughs> 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 That's a reference that one listener will probably get, and they'll laugh very hard at it. And, and everyone else will just stare at their iPods or iPods, the fuck yours is. (laughs) iPhones. Damn. Damn.
1: Man, what you're living in... Listening on their
0: record players and... You're still stuck
1: in the Steph Brown Robin era.
0: (laughs) If we could press this to vinyl uh, affordably, I would, Zach. So, there we go. 2004, by the way, Steph Brown Robin. 2004, okay. Okay, thank you.
1: Yes. I was a senior in high school.
2: I was a senior in college. I was... Freshman in high school, maybe. Yeah, freshman-ish, sophomore somewhere. I don't know. Okay.
0: That's preposterous. <laughs> Crab Rancoo and things of that nature. <laughs> um... <laughs> There's a reference only one person. Exactly. Get. Um, Show any o- <laughs> anything else to say about the uh, Supersons besides it just being very good? Yeah, it was very good. Okay. Last but not least, we get another Damian Wayne story, this one written by Robbie Thompson, new writer of um, Teen Titans, and illustrated by your friend of mine, Ramon Villalobos, doing his best Chris Burnham impression. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Which is just his art, basically. Yes,
0: absolutely. I I, I don't mean to imply it, just that their, their styles are very similar. Yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is. I
2: actually cool. maybe like this a little bit better than Burnham, honestly. I think he's out Burnham. Burnham being Burnham.
0: I mean, his I Batman kind of is agree with thick that. here in the best way. <laughs> yeah,
2: well, it's kind of like a nice mix between Burnham and Ian Bertram.
0: Mm. Ooh, okay. I can see that. That's my read on it. Ian Bertram of Batman. Eternal or Batman and Robin Eternal? Which one did he do a bunch from?
2: That's a good question. I don't know. We're just referencing uh, all the hits tonight. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember which one. he. I, I'm i pretty sure it was Batman and Eternal, I want to say, is where we first saw him in the Bat books. Um, but, yeah. Um, I, I really like the art here. The story it's kind of just okay. You guys agree or disagree with that? Yeah, it's fine.
1: Yeah. It, it's another, okay. It's another one of those, like, uh, Batman and his, and his Robin don't totally understand one another. Only this time, Robin is his son. You know, it's, it, it it's felt... kind of the same old, same old. Sorry, oh, go ahead. Go
0: ahead. No, I'm bad about interrupting. Please finish.
1: Okay. Uh, I was just going to say the thing that intrigues me about this a lot is that it's, it's literally going to continue in Robbie Thompson's teen Titans run when that picks up with the annual. And so I think there's a little, I like that there's a little more meat here. um, Potentially. I like that. These are threads that he's going to follow up on. It's not just a standalone excuse to do this sort of thing it's something that's going to come to a head eventually. And I think that's interesting because we've seen that now in the Wonder Woman. uh, 750, was it? Uh it, Uh, it, it, it,
2: Yeah, 750.
1: Yeah, Flash 750. Um, Both of those had stories that are going to continue on in some form or fashion in the future of DC Comics. And, you know, even though this isn't, a numbered issue of any one series or anything, it still has that similar thread. So again, it's it's what we talked about. This is very much in the same spirit as those uh, milestone issues, and I like that about it.
0: So what I was going to say about this story was I found it interesting, and I don't know if it was intentional or not, how much this essentially mimics the first Dick Grayson story we got in this issue. Mm-hmm. How they're both about and that one ends with, with Dick n- leaving the mantle. That's not where Damien is leaving it here. But just this idea of Batman and Robin not being on the same page. Now, obviously, there are lots of stories like that. But these two, ishi- these two stories in particular are very similar in that regard. And so it's sort of saying, you know, even though this is the, I guess, the fifth Robin, right? Fifth? Mm-hmm. Uh, in this continuity, you know... it's the the same dynamic it's always been. Batman and Robin are Batman and Robin. Yep. Yeah, overall, this was a really enjoyable 100-page issue.
2: Yeah, I think so. And, like,
0: 100 pages is a lot. And it was really good. I wonder, and, and... I'm sure you guys are going to throw cold water all over this, as would DC if this was ever pitched in a meeting there. But would you be willing to pay, maybe not ten bucks, seven bucks a month, if the Batman comic that came out every month, the one Batman comic, was this kind of comic every month?
1: I oh, haven't I suggested that that this is what I would like. Well comics to
0: be. I feel like we've always talked about it more that there be more ongoing stories coming out of it, or going through it rather. But what about just these like anecdotal stories? Do you need do do we as fans need those big overarching stories anymore? Or could we do with just a year or two of stories like this?
2: I mean, I would like there to be some overarching story. I I would like there to be something. um, Because otherwise I, I otherwise I would not feel compelled really to read it. If it was just this sort of thing all the time, um, I feel like there needs to be some forward momentum to make me want to buy it. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I, I think,
1: I think if they condense down, their line, I've said this on the show before. Like, there should be a Green Lantern title that's like eighty or hundred pages a month, and it's got like four stories in it, and their anthology style. But yeah, they do need to they do need to propel some sort of story forward. Otherwise, ev- otherwise every story you read is just going to be the the Venditti Justice League. Where in two years it won't matter that you read it and you won't remember it. Sure. Um, sure. Okay. And enough has been said about all these characters that that this this sort of retrospective stuff is fine for anniversaries um, and milestones, but I would like I would like the anthology style applied to ongoing stories more like a like a shonen jump. So you, type, I was just thing, gonna yeah. say,
0: so you want to see like a shonen jump or a two thousand AD. Style thing where there's five stories like 2008 a d is five stories every week, but it it winds up being essentially like eight pages. So yeah, it's essentially like a an issue of a comic each five issues of a comic over the course of the four weeks of the month. You know, so yeah, so so you're basically saying that so 100 pages five stories for the Green Lanterns. So I could I could see that i would yeah. love that
2: yeah if like say like under you know like the post john's green lantern if all those books had just been one thing or if like superman action supergirl and Superboy and or Legion or something yeah or lee yeah and legion say those four books were all in one thing yeah that would be great Yeah, yeah, and like I don't know, I just really, I really like the prestige binding too, Um, just from like a collector standpoint.
3: Mm.
0: Yeah, yeah, they're nice, very nice. And let's close out our show tonight with Year of the Villain Hella Risen Number Four. The finale to this miniseries. Um, I know Vince tweeted us, not tweeted us. He doesn't use Twitter. Vince texted us some uh, a, a, re, a relatively hot take about this issue. I guess um, just how excited he was for everything going forward because of this issue.
1: Not because of this issue.
0: <laughs> eh, you kind of said it was because of, you. You said this issue no. was, was your everything. Uh, that's an exact no, quote. I didn't that's an exact quote. I did not say that. Said, I said the interview.
1: No, I said the Scott Snyder mm-hmm. and Greg Capullo interview was the thing. Zach Man, knows. I Zach. Know. Zach. Just... Zach actually listens to me and I'm pays just attention. Teasing.
0: I'm just teasing. <sighs> you. To what oh, I say. Oh no! Anyway, this book is written the by James. Stein over. And the it's not over. Written by James. Stein IV, the fourth. Illustrated by Steve Epting. No, I was just teasing you. Um, this issue is the most recap I've ever seen in a comic movie. Yes. It basically recaps two years of DC stories in the first like 10 pages. Um, Really for no reason. Who's buying the fourth issue of a miniseries? They haven't been reading the whole miniseries.
2: Well, I know who's buying the third issue of the miniseries if, and when they haven't been reading the whole series and it's perverts.
0: (laughs) What does that mean?
2: (laughs) that was the one you know that had punchline in it and like it sold out everywhere because everybody like all the shops had just been ordering it at like you know the levels that the earlier issues had been selling and so it sold out everywhere and like like people like speculators were so angry at comic shops for not having it and like uh, there were a ton of shops that made it so that you had to have had issues one and two on your pull list to be able to buy it yep
1: people because our industry
2: is great yeah
1: <laughs> yep perverts is right you nailed it
0: it's ah uh, it's a curse it's a pox yeah so uh so let's get into this. This, this issue does two things that are important going forward, which is that it frees the various infected heroes of their infections, and it reverts Lex back to his human status. Pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah, Oh, very quick, yes. Both things happen with almost no buildup. Um, <laughs> but besides those two things happening, and I guess this also sets the stage for death metal in the sense that it aligns the Batman Who Laughs and uh, Perpetua together. But, yeah. They, what did you think of it, Zach?
2: I wanted to like it, but I really did not like it. Ultimately because, like, so for a few reasons. Like, I feel like I've been pretty vocal about how much I... Don't like the Batman who laughs. I don't like this infected stuff. And I feel like it wraps that up and leaves it in just the most uninteresting place for me. So like all of like, think about it this way. All of the post metal post, no justice story arc has just been to set up the Batman who laughs to be the big bad again. Like everything that's happened has really been for nothing um in fact the status quo is essentially almost exactly where it left off mm-hmm. you know all the toys are back in the box again essentially not not really but like yeah i feel like this really undermines the whole post no justice you know snyder justice league status quo
1: you're right the only difference is that instead of the totality like soaring through the sky it's Perpetu and she's already there mm-hmm. but but you're right every other bit of table setting or whatever is reset with the Justice League missing but because we already kind of know where they're coming out in death metal yeah this this issue really. Didn't accomplish anything other than setting everything back the as close to the way it was as they can, so that you could skip if you wanted. I'm pretty sure you could read Metal, No Justice. You you might need an issue of Justice League here and there, but but in reality, like they're gonna do recap for you. I mean they did it in this issue, you know. But here's here's the thing about this. My problem with this particular issue of this series is that it does not do one thing in its entire 24 pages or whatever it is that surprises you. At least in prior issues of this series there'd be like a, a Nick Suotan appearance. You know, um, or the Rip Hunter appearance, I think was in the f- first issue. Mm-hmm. This issue's got none of that. <laughs> Not one single unexpected thing happens to lead you into death metal. And the reason why I'm so unreasonably excited about death metal. Uh, despite the fact that I'm just I'm a Scott Snyder fan and I'm a Greg Capullo fan, uh, Zach, you're right. They talk a good game, but at least you know whether the story is going to be is going to live up to what they say or not. I know for certain that every issue will have a handful of things in it that are interesting or different or surprising. It might not amount to a story that is as amazing as when they pitch it to the Hollywood reporter. But, Mm -hmm. but I'm certain that stuff will be there in every issue. There will be interesting things to look at. There will be surprising things that happen. And you got none of that from this issue. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. This was, you know, I mean, Epting's art is always really good, and that that goes a long way to making it a readable issue. But there's so much just fucking pointless dialogue and so much exposition. And like you said, Vince, or Zach, again, I'm forgetting who said what tonight. Like, they basically undo the infection with one panel of all these heroes. And give a very, like, hand-wavy explanation as to why they're no longer infected. And if the whole point of this miniseries was to get us to this one point, it could have been a one-shot really easily. And there's nothing in these four issues that couldn't have been condensed down to a one-shot. Right?
2: Oh, for sure. For
0: sure. Yeah.
2: Well, and it even, like, you think about what the sum total of the whole infected arc was and it it's it's nothing there's no payoff it's it's just it's nothing at all you know (laughs) yeah um i think it's actually like like, go ahead sorry oh i was just gonna say i think it's like one of the most like grossly like embarrassing like (laughs) like excuses for a, a status quo or an arc you know i just like oh i don't get it
1: it was just a money grab like yeah a naked money grab there's not even any emotional payoff i think a couple times along the way we had talked about oh this is the interesting way that they're going to figure out how to get uh Jaime out of this you know oh look at uh the way that hawkman perceives his evil side is different from Supergirl, and and that could lead to unique ways of undoing... Nope,
0: (laughs) not at all. (laughs) Yep. Yep. (sighs) Anyway, let me do the the list while while Vince pulls up what comes out next week. Uh, Uh, You're so smart. On the good list, we have Aquaman and Batman. On the okay list, we have Deceased Unkillables, Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, and Teen Titans. On the Hill House list, we have the Lola Woods and Plunge. On the Sandman Universe list, we have Lucifer. On the Tim Seeley list, we have He-Man and the Masters of the Multiverse. Have I killed enough time for you to get comics list open, Vincey? I got
1: it, yeah. All right, lay it uh, on us. Okay,
0: we got Action, 1021. We got
1: Amethyst 2, Basketful of Head 6, Batgirl 45, Batman Beyond 42, Batman Curse of the White Knight. Finale issue eight. We're not gonna read it, doesn't matter. Uh Batman Superman 8. Uh Detective Comics 1021. Mm, Far sector five. Flash 752. Hellblazer 5. Justice League Dark 21. The Last God 6. Legion of Superheroes 5. Red Hood Outlaw 44. Suicide Squad 4. Supergirl 40. Wonder Woman 754. That is a huge week of a lot
0: of books I may or may not read. I don't know. <laughs> yes. Same. Um, if you need to get two thirds of us, you can get us on Twitter. I am at Brian Edenap. And I am at Wilker Fox. If you need to find Vince, he is creating a shrine in his basement to death metal. He's very excited. He is hyped for this. And, uh, yeah, look for him uh, burning sage throughout the neighborhood to cleanse the world for the coming of Death Metal. I'm excited to see you giddy about this, Vince. I really am. Because, <laughs> I, I, truth be told, I'm sure I'll get giddier as it gets closer, but I, I'm not really feeling the Death Metal hype just yet.
1: I'm I'm just a simp. I'm a world-class simp.
0: No. I'm I'm
1: simping for Snyder and Capullo.
0: No, you're you're a good dude.
2: Maybe a little bit of a simp, but that's okay. <laughs> I, I hear simping is okay now. I've heard that.
1: Simp- well, yeah, the the okay boomer girl said simping is okay. And if you understand what I just said, you
2: I do. You need that's to get where off- I
1: heard it. That's where I <laughs> yeah. heard it. Yeah, you need to get the fuck offline. <laughs>
0: i think she specifically
2: said uh simping is king shit
3: so
0: (laughs) good night folks (laughs)
3: that is exactly what she said
0: (laughs) his license plate is like uh uh, is in a frame that says "I'd rather be cross hatching." <laughs>